You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Hey guys, welcome to the Industry Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Brower. Uh, My guest today is an incredibly intelligent person in the world of computer science. You're going to find out why when you learn more about his company. Uh, Raised in a large family with six siblings, he excelled in his studies of computer science and invented a new technology as part of his PhD thesis. Uh, Now co-founder and CEO of Stateless, his team has created the next evolution in data center networking. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here, Murad Kablat. All right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having us. So your company, I want to... uh, there's a lot we're going to talk about in this interview where it's going to go completely over my head. <laughs> it's very technical what you do. Um, can you just uh, give me a brief summary of what Stateless does? I kind of have a sense, but for the listeners, uh, what do you want to say about what you guys do? Yeah, so we are a software company. Specifically, we do networking solutions. And uh, to give you a little bit of background, so I have a PhD in computer science and I focus on computer networks. Uh, So I'm a software engineer, but at the same time, a a network engineer. And one of the things that I noticed in my experience and also when I started my PhD with with Eric, that uh, when it comes to the IT infrastructure, the networking is always like lagging behind, you know, like it's basically, it's, it's the backbone of any infrastructure like for enterprises and big businesses is like how do you send data and information from one location to another it has to go through the network you know which is yeah, like which bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger the need for that right yeah which is basically a network is basically cables and devices that's basically it. right uh, so what, what what we saw is like we saw an opportunity because networking we believe did not evolve to match what we see today, like the public cloud, and uh, you hear about like the 5G and the edge and internet of things, that put a lot of pressure on the network to be scalable, to be dynamic, to be flexible, you can modify it. So what do we did basically, we built a software solution uh, that addressed this need. You know, So we sell to large enterprises, network providers, you know, and uh, the, the, the concept was like, okay, how do we make network connectivity simple? You know, that can be scalable uh, and also can be flexible. So that's basically 
the state, what we do as stateless. We are software solution, networking software solution uh, that make connectivity simple and scalable. Okay, and, and one of your um, one of your key salespeople, I believe, is uh, I believe is one of your key salespeople's good friend of mine. He's described to me in a little more detail what what it is, the distinction, what you guys are doing differently from what people in the past have done. At what point? At what point in your education or career did you discover that there was a kind of an opportunity or a problem in this space in this industry and you had the idea to build a solution around that so um so to answer the question like when did we saw the opportunity or, or like or the problem I mean, I would say like almost 15 years ago, a decade ago, when I started my, after my undergrad, when I started working in the field, it was obvious that there is something wrong there. But also, I want to also highlight that I'm the co-founder, and my co-founder is not here today, and he's the CTO. Mm -hmm. He also came from that background. So he's a professor at CU, his name is Eric. Um, and uh, he, he worked with AT&T, and he did this PhD in Princeton, and then he became a professor at CU, and he was already seeing that problem. And what worked in our favor that I became his student. I took a class, and we both we've been talking about like what do we see, what we saw in the industry, and we both said like, yep, we agree both of us that there is a problem. Now, what are we gonna do about it? You know. Wow. And it took us like a few years of the research, and then I did an internship at AT and T, which is one of the largest kind of network service provider in the industry, and I came back to Eric. Uh, I built one of their first virtual or software routers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came to Eric and I was like, hey, I noticed this. What do, what do we, if we do it this one, I'll, I'll jump in and kind of what does this mean exactly? And that was around 2015 when we came up with a concept that if we change networking to be built this way, that may open the doors for a lot of innovations and solve a lot of problems and enables a new solutions, basically. Um, the idea was basically to what I was saying earlier that networks is basically is cables and devices, you know? So devices are routers, firewalls, you know, load balancers. And like, since the internet was born, these devices did not change in terms of architecture. There are still these boxes, you get them like physical boxes. And then now you, there's something called NFV, which is stand for network function virtualization. And the concept was like, well, let's turn these physical boxes to software, to virtual machines, VMs or containers. And with that, we'll solve all of the problems in the network. They're faster, scalable, that doesn't work. And the reason is because they follow the same design of the physical boxes. They're still like monolithic and meaning like if you want to change it, if you want to update it, you have to turn it down and then launch a new one. If you want to scale, then you have to replace the virtual or software box with a bigger box. So there is like a actual hardware, right? Exactly. So there is like a lot of issues here. And what Eric and I came up with, they said, well, what if, what if we break down this box and follow the same design principle we see in the public cloud? You know, public cloud is built for scale, you know, and uh, multi-users and stuff like that. And the idea uh, we started with is every device you see in the network 
maintain something called uh, a network state, which is basically the device needs to keep tracking of who's connecting to who, you know, like which user is connecting to which file or, or document. So that's, that's to keep a track. There's always a Client and server, who's connecting to who. And the, the problem is like, if you lose the device, you lose the state, you lose the information, who's connecting to who. So by the time you launch the device again, you have to rebuild the state, build this knowledge. You know, there's that connection. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. And, and like timers, connections and tables and stuff like that. Um, and that's for any network device you can think of like the routers and firewall. So the first concept was like, what if we remove the state from the device and we put it in a scalable high performance database? then we don't have to worry about the state because if the device is being like crashed or whatever, we can retrieve the state. That's like the whole concept of what are we doing is decoupling state. And by doing that, the device became stateless. Doesn't have a state. That's where the company name came from is stateless. It's basically because we remove, we're not getting rid of that state. We just decouple it, separating that. Right. And that's where we're able to solve uh, a lot of the problems you see today with the network. Now, the novelty of why we're the only one who did that, because when you remove the state, you add some uh, performance, uh, uh, like latency and performance hit. You know, like the connections might be slow, the throughput may drop, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the idea is like, okay, how do you decouple state without sacrificing performance? You know, that's kind of like our patent and where we come in and we leverage like algorithms and the database we're using is very fast and the read and write from the database, all of that combining together. We published a paper in 2017 and we have the the patent for that was approved almost six months ago uh, about that, about how can you decouple state, make network uh, devices or we call them network functions uh, stateless without impacting the performance. And once we got that, now we were able to uh, enable a lot of solutions that our customers excited about that they were not able to do that before with the old monolithic device. I hope I wasn't that technical, I tried to. No, I, I have a much clearer picture. Uh, I'm, uh, my listen, the listeners of the show are way smarter than I am. And so I, I, I understood that, <laughs> so I'm sure. So did I hear that? Did you guys come up with a kind of like a software way to code, develop this code, uh, creating this structure without the need of hardware? Not necessarily. It's more, so we still use hardware. And there are other solutions that software that is built on hardware. It's more like the design, the architecture we came up is the unique part of us. Yeah, okay. So it's a, it's a, you're able to, it being stateless, you're able to upgrade things and change things without ever bringing the, uh, the system down or having to reestablish a connection It's never lost. Basically. Yeah. I mean, we put it in our kind of basically three things. You make it very simple, meaning like simple to upgrade, simple to use and stuff like that. You make it very scalable mm-hmm. because now you can add lots of connections, lots of users, um, and then the last thing is you make it evolvable, meaning that you can modify the device 
without the worry about downtime because the state and the knowledge is separated, you know, and you can modify the state without affecting the device. And that's gives you the evolvability, which is matched kind of like the cloud requirement. So simple, scalable, evolvable. That's kind of like where we come in. Yeah. Well, so, and congratulations on your patent six months ago. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, uh, we had an announcement about it. We look it up online. So. Oh, cool. Um, so this, uh, this is the first time anyone has ever done something like this. Is that right? Correct. How, what challenges did you encounter or have to overcome when you create something this new to the industry and you're pushing that into the marketplace? What were like the big things that you can, that you remember having to kind of overcome and uh, figure out how to maneuver around? Well, the first challenge after we introduced the concept is actually building it, prove that it works. <laughs> so that was, that was during my PhD and I was working with another student who's also uh, an inventor of the, of the patent, but he's mm. not involved with us in the company. Um, so getting that to work and, and proving it, that was like a big thing. It took us like a couple of years uh, to do that. I mean, there was like some improvement, but to get to the performance that you feel acceptable, that took us a while. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, the big, like the first big challenge, you know. Um, the second is when we took it to the market, you know, because we are the only one who's doing it this way mm -hmm. and a startup, you know, fairly new and networking is very critical to any business. So it's like people, they can't just like deploy a new solution. And if it goes down, they run out of business. You know, you don't, you cannot handle loss of connectivity and internet for a while. Uh, so that was like the challenge, like educating the market about this is how networking we believe should be built moving forward. And trust us, we know how to do that, you know? So, how we did that basically it took us some while, right? Like it took us some time. Like we, the customers now we're engaging with, we, we've been working with for like years, mm. you know, that we're doing like a proof of concept, we're doing testing, getting their feedback, you know? Um, so it's like, there's like a, this part of educating the market, yeah. you know, and prepping them. That was like the biggest challenge. I believe we are now in a very good uh, position because we build the technology, we build our first kind of versions, we show that it works. We start having some customers, big customers signing contracts with us. So that's, the more you have of that, the more credibility. When you go to the next customer, you say like, hey, your competitor just signed with us. True yeah. statements, love them. Uh, so yeah. That's great, that's great. Well, uh, it sounds like, you know, the snowball has started rolling down the hill and you guys are picking up a lot of steam. Yep. So you, the company was founded officially in what, 2017? Yeah, officially 2016. But, okay. you know, as a startup, like, I was like still a student and I, I defended my thesis in 2017. Okay. So during that time, like, yeah, I mean, on, on paper, on paper it said 2016, but we took off, you can say like mid to late 2018. That's when we got the funding and we started like building like a professional team. And it's not just me and Eric and a couple of engineers, you know, uh, and then we, we took it from there. Okay. Well, you've, you guys have moved very quickly. It seems like uh, yep. uh, quicker than most. So, 
if you, um, you know, moving that quickly and doing it the way you have done it over the last couple of years, is there anything that looking back now you would do differently as, as a new entrepreneur pushing a new technology into a space? Is there anything that you can uh, kind of recommend or, or offer in terms of like, I didn't know this, this was a huge issue or I had to, you know, I would do that differently? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say that a lot of things we did turned out to be the right decisions. So that was good. Uh, uh, one is like, so one thing we did very well in the beginning, that when, and I recommend, especially the, the technical uh, entrepreneurs and the founders they do, is put a lot of time and effort and investment in market development or research at the very early stage of the company, before you start asking for funding before you start building the team. Because you wanna make sure that you're not just building a cool tech, you wanna build something that has value to the industry. And that's a lot of the technical co-founders kind of like fall short into that because everybody get excited about the technology, they feel very proud of it and they believe that everybody should buy it, everybody should use it. How, what do you mean? Well, clearly. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a lot of things like, what do you do in the market development you realize that, well, maybe the market is not ready. Maybe your solution is very expensive. It's unrealistic, even if it brings value, you know? Maybe you're, there is other solutions that doing what are you doing in a better way or cheaper way, you know? Maybe the features and the capabilities that you're leading with, customers don't care about, and they care about something else. And we did a lot of that at the beginning. That was like the two, 2016 period when we were like quiet. That's where we spend so much time on doing this market development and, and literally knocking on doors of these companies, like asking them questions, what do they care about, what are the problems, and taking this knowledge. And then we built kind of our uh, blueprint, you know, and we said, okay, this is our first product, our MVP, what is going to be looking like based on, I mean, believe it or not, like, in, in six months, we interviewed, in one month, we interviewed over a hundred companies, hundred large enterprises. Wow. And in six months, over like 250, you know? Uh, and then, but we gained like a really good knowledge. So that's helped us on the product. That also helped us when we started applying for grants, which is we received really good grants, over a million. We have data. It's not like, trust us, we know this. It's no, it's like, trust us, we talked with, over a hundred companies and these are their names and contacts. When we pitch it to the investors, it was like, I, I talked to these customers and you can ask them about us. It's not just Murad saying that. Yeah. So that's, I highly recommend um, for folks, you know, because I saw, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, fail because of that, you know, because they're not aware of that. And this is something you keep doing. It's not like, first time and then you stop you gotta always keep on that what's going on in the industry and you know and, and keep that into consideration getting feedback well, yeah. the thing that i felt we we could do better basically is like the whole kind of building the team you know like when you build for the first time um i mean the good thing is like we really put a lot of focus on efforts and our culture. That was like a very, very important things, you know, our values and what do we believe in and uh, hiring and firing based on that. So I'm very proud of that. And things like the results, we see it today. 
we have a very strong, passionate team. The one thing is, um, looking back, a lot of the decision, especially with the separation with some of the team members, sometimes you just make it, you got to do it very quick, you know, and the longer you wait, the more impactful it is. And I think it's like the, the concern we had was was a, a typical concern any a new co-founder of Adams. Like, oh, what's gonna happen if I lose this critical person? You know, all gonna fail. We're only a handful of employees and stuff like that. You know, and what are the people gonna say about me and stuff like that? Everything is gonna be fine. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you, it, it's not, it's best for the that person and for the company. It's not like, sometimes you just have to do it and doing it quickly, and directly, I think it helps everyone moving things forward and faster. That's my, my biggest thing when I look back. Um, you know, I wish that we could have done better at, at some aspect. So. Yeah, like making making critical decisions quickly involving yep. the team and having the right people in the right seats and all that. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Um, how can, uh, well, two more things on stateless. Can you describe like who's the perfect client for, for you guys? Who should be picking up the phone, calling you guys saying, I gotta learn about your product? Yep. So let me start with where we want to be, <laughs> you know? So the goal and the vision is the whole ecosystem of networking. And that's mean like every enterprise, every telco company, every institution or organization we believe is a potential customer for us including universities schools small large businesses or whatever you know to get there you know we realized that's again goes back to the market development we did because that was like one of the questions was like okay we're solving a problem for networking but where do we start with that you know who are the good target customers and we realized that the good a segment to start with is something we call the co-location service provider or the co-location data center provider. Mm. And these are companies are initially or originally, they're real estate companies. They build a data center, like a server room, like a large one, you know, 10,000, you know, square foot or whatever. And then they chop it and rent it out for the companies. So mm-hmm. if you're a company and you have servers, you'd be like, well, I don't want to, maintain them in my server room. I don't want to pay for space and power and security, stuff like that. Let me put it in a real estate data center. It's kind of like a hotel. That's actually something they use the term hotel. Yeah, you know? which, which yeah. technically that is what the cloud is. I just don't have to have it in my office anymore. I put it in the yeah, cloud. But, but this is more like the cloud is like more focused on the software. This is the actual servers, your God, machines, God. Okay. you know, uh, your bare metal basically and they give you access you can go to that sites and you can you know program your hardware or something like that so these companies the colos they run out of space and power you know and they start looking for other offerings and uh to bring more revenue and one of them is connectivity you know like okay i have all these tenants how do i bring more value to them that i can make revenue okay, I want to have better, secure, scalable connections to them so they can connect to AWS, to Google Cloud, to another client. And how do I do that when I have thousands of them? You know, that's where the networking problem comes in because it's very complex, it cannot scale. 
That's yeah, where speedless yeah. come in and we say, look, we're a, we can help you have a simple, scalable, evolvable solution for you. So that was like our first uh, market uh, or customer segment we were focusing on is the co-location, cloud service providers, sometimes they call the network store. Example yeah. of these companies in the industry, if you heard of companies like, uh, like Zayo, they're in, in Boulder, yeah. you know, yeah. like level three, Sentry, like all of these are data center, they have that aspect and they provide connectivity as a service mm -hmm. to their customers. And then the next step, which is we plan to do that in the next year, uh, is start targeting enterprise directly, you know, like large enterprises, yep. you know, either by selling them directly or running in the public cloud, you know, in AWS. And that's now you have stateless basically is covering the ecosystem, recovering the service provider and recovering the end users, the enterprise. So. Okay. Answer your question, who was the customers now to pick up? Like co-location data centers providers. Yeah, that's who you're, uh, you, you have a, a lot Currently, of studies of success for. Okay, and I, I have to think that with what's going on in the world right now, everybody, you know, going remote or considering being remote permanently and going to school at home and all these things, this is going to become, or it already is, like that much more important. Connectivity, uh, you know, the the speed in which we can upload and download things as we're working remotely. I mean, this is like you're so poised to offer the solution for this. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, correct. So what happens is, again, because everybody works remote, as you said, one of the applications that a lot of us using is video streaming or multimedia streaming, and that goes to video conferences like this one, you know, yeah. Zoom or Hangout, that's consume a lot of the resources, you know, and also uh, online video games, you know, because people staying at home, so they play or like stream Netflix or yeah. do like video conferences, that put a lot of pressure on the companies that I was telling you about, the cloud and the uh, network service provider, because now they have bursts of traffic, you know, that usually they get like, like they upgrade every year, two years. Now they are forced to upgrade almost every month, three months, you know, because the traffic is going. And it's not amount of traffic, but also the complexity. Because now, as opposed to having, let's say, 100 connections, now you have 10,000 connections. Mm -hmm. How are you going to deal with that? That's where stateless come in. We're simple, scalable, and you can evolve it. You right. know? So actually, the COVID-19, actually, the whole kind of pandemic worked in our favor because that's kind of put more pressures on our customers to engage with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worked very well. Very needed uh, service and, and you guys are offering the unique, uh, you know, uh, product that, that exists. So that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and then the last question I have is what's the best way for those, companies that are interested to find you guys what's your website we're going to put this obviously in the notes as well but uh how, how what's the best way for people to learn more yeah i mean um stateless.net that's our website and um people some some folks can reach out to me directly in linkedin um yeah. with my first and last name and we have contact at stateless.net you know perfect okay great 
So I want to switch gears a little bit on you as we uh, wrap here. I grew up with three brothers. There was four of us. And I remember the chaos of like growing up. How did talk to me about how it was growing up with six siblings and where are you in the order? Oh, um, yeah. So I, I'm number three, which is okay. sucks because the middle child, like, or if you're in the middle, you're screwed because you're like, <laughs> me too. Yeah, you're too young to do like adult stuff. Like, I cannot stay late because you're too young. But at the same time, you're too old that you have to do boring stuff, like taking trash out and do some <laughs> errands and stuff like that. So that's what's like in a high level. And you always get like the secondhand stuff. Like your older sibling, they get the new clothes and new toys and they just pass it on to you. Yeah. You know? So, which is good because that's, you, you appreciate more, you know, you appreciate a lot of things in life. <laughs> and yeah. then you also growing up like fighting for your, uh, things you know oh, and totally. you become like better politician and negotiator i guess uh you're probably a fast eater like me you learn to eat fast when you have a lot of siblings <laughs> oh yeah like i remember so we didn't eat so much snacks at home we don't believe in them like that like where we where i grew up the culture is like we don't even know about snacks like, like where did you grow up uh, benghazi libya okay so north africa there is like you just eat like big meals. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. And if you miss any of them, it's on you. You yeah. wait for the other one. There's no other meals left. And yeah, and you, when you have like a big family, I mean, where I grew up uh, in my generation, that's an average size family. So it's not like a unique to us. But yeah, I mean, I remember my mom, we're going to make it put a, a sticky note from my plate on the refrigerator. So not none of my other brothers, the scavengers, eat my food you know um because yeah if they ate it i'll have to wait until the next meal yeah totally how many boys and how many girls uh, so we're five boys and two girls wow and i just uh i, I noticed earlier today on your linkedin profile it, i laughed out loud it says uh i grew up with six siblings that's how i learned to dance waiting for the bathroom yeah i mean so it's hilarious one of the some, some of the periods of our life, we literally lived in a, an apartment that has only one bathroom. I'm not joking about that. Wow. And I remember we had to like kind of schedule who's going to the bathroom in the morning, especially when we go to school. You know, my father was usually the last one. But yeah, we, and you have to make it quick. 10 minutes or less. That's me like shower, brushing, doing other stuff, and you're out. Get and it the next morning, you're going to come in. And if you come back from the beach, you know, or like a trip, you everybody needs to rush to the bathroom and, and be there first, you know. So oh, there's like, yeah, a lot of uh, fun stories and memories there. I'll bet. Are you, are, they, is, are all your siblings, are you come from a family of, you know, highly educated, driven people? Are you the black sheep? Like, what, what's the rest of your family up to these days? Yeah, I mean, my parents, they went to college. Um, um none of them has i i'm the only one who got a phd but yeah i mean my siblings all of them they went to college and uh, i have it's great brother he's a dentist my sister is a pharmacist you know, so yeah i mean school was, was very important for us so we all you know took care of that that's great yeah my um we all uh went to college i do have one brother that is the phd we call him the smart brother yeah 
<laughs> so you're the smart brother in your family, I have no doubt. <laughs> so is there um, anyone or anything that you can give credit to for, you know, what drives you in the world right now? What's, what drives you to like create something like this and have it be wildly successful and as you go be on fire every, every day? I don't have like a specific person. I mean, I've like, there's a lot of great people in the world through the history, like I take in and out. So I don't have someone specific. I think it's more like a, what I believe in, you know, where I grew up and the faith and everything is overall is life is too short, you know, to not take advantage and keep it fun. Yeah. And take risks. You know, that's how I live with it. Like the mantra is like, okay, if you don't, take a chance, then you'll regret it. And I'd rather take a chance and fail than not doing anything and then be on the safe side. So that's kind of like my mantra, what I believe in. So everything is like, yeah, just measure the risk and just go for it. And if you fail, well, you fail. Just do it again, do it, do do it, it again, differently, yeah. you know? So that, that's what I believe in. It's like, you only live once, so take the most out of it, have fun. That's great. Yeah, it's like, so simple yet so difficult many times right <laughs> we get caught up in fear and uh inaction and things like that so it's yeah. um two two more questions kind of rapid fire are that you mentioned you know the mantra are there any um any books or any uh quotes that have been particularly impactful in your life um, I can tell you books for sure. Uh, quotes, again, it goes back to what I was saying about like specific people. There's a lot of good people, great people. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, quotes, like the one that I used to live with, which is kind of related to what I was saying is like, uh, live to your end, like you're dying tomorrow and live your life like forever or something around that. And every culture has a different kind of twist, but you get what I'm, yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Books. Um, I like to read a lot of, uh, business books, you know, like uh, a lot of fun ones. I mean, uh, the recent one that I can't remember that I read that I like a lot, one is uh, Measure What Matters, hmm. uh, which is basically, if you know about OKRs, kind of methodology, objective and key results, uh, and how to measure progress and success. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the, the book talks about that and how Intel and Google kind of Employed that at the early stage and became successful hmm. uh, based on that. So measure what matters. That was one, one of my favorite books. And then uh, Negotiation Genius. That's also another great book. I forgot the author's name, but it's basically is like how to get into a deal in anything in life. Yeah. You know, with the concept is is not win or lose. Is basically win win because almost every deal that you're still going to have that relationship with the other party after the deal. That's why you're signing a deal. Right. So it's in your best interest to build a good relationship and look for their interests as well in their deal, because you want to have a successful relationship with them, you know? Uh, so that's a, that's a great book. And yeah, these are the two I can remember on top of my head. Well, but I hadn't heard of that second one. Uh, I'll have to look, look that yeah. up. Sure. And then last question before we wrap it, is there any, um, is there anything that you do personally that in the world of like self-care or uh, just to keep yourself centered and focused like a morning routine or uh, yeah. maybe afternoon 
So I, I, I meditate uh, part of the, my religion as well. So I'm Muslim, so I, I pray like mm -hmm. five times and meditate for that. So that's, that's, I think, is in general, it's good for your brain and focus. Um, What's your, uh, specifically, where, when did you do that and for how long? I mean, so for, for us, Islamic beliefs, basically, you pray five times a day. Okay. And early in the morning and then at noon and then around 3 p.m., 4 p.m. So it depends on the sun, you okay. know, and, and then at sunset and then at night. And each prayer should take like around two to four minutes. Okay, yeah. It's not like a, a long one, but it's, it's a good kind of breaks you get during the... So that, that's from a mental kind of thing. I believe in the me time like even with my family and I'm married and I have kids, but they understand that I need my own time. And this is something um, I like a lot of people, they think it's selfish, but I don't think it's selfish. It's, it's very, very important that you spend time with yourself. Mm. You know, it's good for your health, good for your, for people you're engaging with. And how I do it is basically, I do it through the meditation, but also I do it through the workout. You know, like I work out like almost every day. Mm. Um, and I do like nothing fancy. I just like, I mean, I was in the powerlifting team when I was young, but like going to the gym or like riding a bike or doing something by myself. Uh, I like that a lot. And I think that's a important thing, you know, to do, especially when, when you run a company and there's a lot of uh, things that you have to deal with. A lot of people, they forget about that and, and they, they feel bad or they feel sad. It's like, well, it's being selfish. I have to give my time to my family, to my team. And I was like, yeah, you do that. But if you don't give time for yourself, you'll regret it and you'll become depressed and sad and un like your productivity you're going to drop. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a very, very good thing to, uh, to do. And I, and I put a lot of kind of efforts in that, you know? Yeah, I love it. And that exercise piece, uh, so true for me. It's like, when you break your body down, your mind becomes calm. That's so true for me. Yeah. This is why, like, working out for me is mental health. It's yeah. direct correlation. I think that's there's a lot to be said for that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Murad, this has been an amazing conversation. It's uh, incredible that I vaguely understand uh, the techno, techno, technical part of what you do <laughs> now. Um, so thank you very much for your time and for telling us more about Stateless and what you guys are doing. And I mean, this is so big. I can't even, I, I love learning. This is why I do this podcast. I love learning about, you know, something that somebody has created that's incredible that is going to move like our lives forward in a very big way, not just business, but our lives, everything, how we operate in the world. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, thank you. And we're very excited. Hopefully um, COVID kind of goes, goes away, you know, uh, soon. Then we go back to our office. We have a really good office that I feel bad that we're not leveraging right now because yeah. nobody in the office in Boulder. So we're based in Boulder. The entire team is in Boulder. And Matt, if whenever you have time, you're like, welcome. Maybe we have another podcast from the office there. Absolutely. I love that. How many people are you up to now in the office? About 40 plus okay. minus. Yeah. Nice. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to mention, thank you, Mike, for uh, being here as well. Uh, Director of Marketing, I'm a Chief Marketing Officer. Uh, He's the VP Marketing. VP yeah, some person between there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, called, he called himself in Slack the marketing guy. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah.
Well, keep doing what you're doing because it's obviously working. So thanks for helping get this uh, put together as well.